What's up, y'all? Welcome to Civics Unlocked, the segment where we unlock political knowledge and lock up ignorance in all of its forms. This week, we are unlocking the Georgia Senate runoff. You ready? Let's unlock it. Unless you're actively and intentionally not paying attention to the news, you've probably heard Georgia mentioned more than once and in many contexts. First, the attention was on Georgia because of the fact that it was one of the swing states that was in play to quote unquote turn blue, which is basically just a political term for the state's electoral votes going to the Democratic candidate for president. Due to massive amounts of mail-in votes and the 31 flavors of voter suppression Georgia specializes in, which we'll discuss in a later episode, days after the election, the votes hadn't fully been counted yet. But the projections that were coming in were mostly favorable for Joe Biden. As of this recording, Joe Biden has won this state by roughly 12,636 votes, give or take a few hundred. Again, Joe Biden has won Georgia. To this day! Okay. To this day. And that's huge. Why? Because it's made this the first time Georgia has gone to a Democrat since 1992 for Bill Clinton. So Georgia going blue means that there's hope that the tight grip Republicans have had on leadership there is being loosed and that the systems that were put in place to ensure their power are being dismantled. Which brings us to the other reason why everyone is talking about Georgia and why we are unlocking the Senate runoff election. Now, Technically, there are two different types of elections happening on January 5th. There's a special runoff election. That's the one between Republican Kelly Loeffler and Democrat Reverend Raphael Warnock, which is happening because Loeffler was not even elected. Georgia inherited her, right? She came with the Republican package that included Brian Kemp as governor. Kemp appointed her in December of 2019 after the previous Republican senator, Johnny Isaacson retired and she's been serving as senator since January 2020. Then there's the general runoff election. That's the race between current senator, Republican David Perdue and hopeful Democrat John Ossoff. Now, David Perdue's term ended in November of this year. So this is his reelection campaign that would have been happening regardless John Ossoff and others challenged Purdue, but no candidate reached the majority threshold. In fact, in either Senate race, no candidate received more than 50% of the votes, which triggered a runoff. And it's the reason why if you live in Georgia, you're headed to the polls again. And based on the stats, you've probably already been. Since both elections, though they be slightly different, are runoffs, we simply refer to them all as one race the Georgia Senate runoff elections. Got it? Hopefully I didn't confuse you because we're not done. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. Okay. Now I'm sure you're saying that's all good, Taylor, but I just voted for the Senate on election day, November 3rd. Why do I have to vote again? Who came up with this nonsense? Great questions. Short answer, racism. That's always what it leads back to, right? Because this is America. Now, I wish I was joking, but I'm, I'm really not, okay? And looking at the history of how runoff voting came to be the law in Georgia proves my point. Ballotpedia, which is an awesome website, it defines a runoff election as a second election held to determine a winner when no candidate in the first election met the required threshold for victory, which is a whole lot of words for basically the fact that it's a rematch, double check of the results, if you will, okay? 
Runoff elections aren't exclusive to Georgia. There are 10 states that use runoff elections. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, and Vermont. Within each state, the rules vary. However, it's not the rules, but the reason why Georgia lawmakers implemented this system that sets them apart from the pack. The Georgia Constitution states, and I quote, No candidate shall be nominated for public office unless such a candidate shall have received a majority of the votes cast to fill such a nomination or public office. In instances where no candidate receives a majority of the votes cast, a runoff election or special election runoff between the candidates receiving the two highest numbers of votes shall be held. Now, on paper, that looks all well and good. But when you take a look at the details, things get scary. For example, let's talk about my new friend, Denmark Groover. Groover was a state representative during the 1950s from Macon, Georgia, who was defeated in a plurality vote election for a seat in Congress. Groover, already a segregationist, blamed what he called the, quote, Negro black folk for his loss. Seeing as how it was 1958, clearly the person that he lost to wasn't black, but the people who voted for him were. So they had to go. In retaliation, after holding the grudge until 1963, he introduced a proposal into the Georgia state legislature for the application of majority vote runoff elections for all primary and general local, state, and federal offices. Side note, plurality voting is winner takes all kind of thing, right? The winner is the candidate who receives the highest number of votes. Majority voting, on the other hand, is if the candidate gets more than half of the votes, then they win. And then if not, the top two candidates go to a second round of voting, i.e. a runoff. Got it? Okay. Back to Groover. So clearly he wasn't the only person to have this belief, nor was he the only one championing the suggested change. But much like a certain someone we know today, he was the loudest voice and he was relentless. During one of his floor speeches, Groover is quoted as saying, We've got to go the majority vote because all we have to have is a plurality and the Negroes and the pressure groups and special interests are going to manipulate this state and take charge. Going on to advertise that majority voting would, quote, prevent the Negro bloc from controlling the elections, end quote. Sound familiar? Putting it bluntly, they wanted to ensure that even if by some miracle a candidate that was backed by the, quote, Negro vote got through the first election, the second election would allow the white voters to regroup and support the other candidate and maintain control. But here's where it gets interesting. The old system that Groover and those who agreed with him were trying to get rid of had already been struck down by the Supreme Court in 1962 because of its disadvantages to Black voters. Charles Bullock, University of Georgia political science professor, said this, quote, the county unit system, right, that's the the system that we're talking about that they were trying to get rid of, being a poor man's electoral college was created 45 years prior to 1962 to amplify rural voters' power while disadvantaging Black voters, end quote. So learning this, we see the broader plan, which is prevent as many Black voters as possible. 
So after the ruling of the Supreme Court, the racist powers that be were searching for a replacement, something just as effective in suppressing the black vote, but more subtle. Their solution was majority voting runoff elections. Obviously, Groover was successful or else we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And in 1964, Georgia adopted the runoff plan for primary elections and for general elections in 1966. Obviously, Groover was successful or else we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And in 1964, Georgia adopted the runoff plan for primary elections and for general elections in 1966. Now, though the effects of this change are hard to quantify, what we know is that although his focus was on the voting population, the majority vote runoff style also made it harder for black candidates to be elected to state and federal positions. So not only are minorities and really all people living in urban areas, for that matter, having their right to vote be tampered with, representation that looks like them and may have their best interest in mind were also being prevented. Now, if by now you don't believe that this was racially motivated and specifically targeted minority voters, hear the testimony from the man himself, who years after he successfully implemented this hit job said, quote, I was a segregationist. I was a county unit man. But if you want to establish if I was racially prejudiced, I was. If you want to establish that some of my political activity was racially motivated, it was. End quote. He also confirmed that the term black voting was code for Negro voting. So here's the bottom line. Plurality voting and thereby runoff elections were put in place to ensure that black voters, that minority voters, were not counted. Sound familiar. Even the Justice Department of the United States of America confirmed that this was true. In 1990, the DOJ actually sued Georgia to turn over the runoff election system. The Attorney General for Civil Rights at the time, whose name was John Doon, told the LA Times that the system was like an electoral steroid for white candidates and that it had a demonstrably chilling effect on the ability of Blacks to become candidates for public office. So now do you understand why eight out of the 10 states that use this system were formerly part of the Confederate States of America? Just saying. The lawsuit was eventually defeated in the 11th Circuit Court when they found that, quote, discrimination was not a substantial or motivating factor behind enactment of the majority vote provision and that the plaintiffs weren't able to prove that changing the runoff system would increase the number of black elected officials. Yet they agreed, saying that the virus of race consciousness was in the air, but it hadn't affected the majority vote requirement, end quote. So basically they were like, yeah, we see what you're saying. It is kind of racist what they're doing, but y'all will be all right. It's not that they didn't notice the racism or the unfair treatment. It's just they didn't care enough to do something about it. And that's why if you live in Georgia, you are voting twice for the same people. I told you it was racism. But in the spirit of the ancestors and trailblazers that have come before us, black, white, brown or otherwise, in the face of racism and injustice, we fight. And that's what black people in particular have been doing every time voter suppression techniques rear their ugly head. 
We fought it in 1964, we fought it in 2015, we fought it in 2018, and we are fighting it again. I said we will not have it all. As time has progressed, the electorate or type of voters and runoffs has been smaller, older, whiter, and more Republican than in the general elections. And because of that, from 1988 on, Democrats have only won one out of eight general or special runoff elections, according to the statewide election records on the Georgia Secretary of State website. This is further showing us that the Republican control over Georgia is still tight and that the plurality voting is still doing its intended job. And it's what the current leadership is counting on. Research from the University of Georgia states that the runoff elections attract 20 to 30 percent fewer voters than regular elections. This cannot be the case on January 5th. We have to exceed turnout just like we did in November. It's the only way to send a strong, decisive message and to ensure that change can be at least possible. The lack of turnout, the lack of minority turnout specifically, is exactly what they want. They're counting on your fatigue. They're counting on your lack of engagement. They want you to stay home and think your vote doesn't matter because that's how they skate through and keep their power and continue to ignore the most vulnerable. And by they, I mean the ruling class. Yes, the Republicans, but more broadly, the power brokers who have proven that they couldn't care less about us. There's just one problem. And her name is Stacey Yvonne Abrams. I said what I said. Thanks to Governor Abrams and other black run, black founded organizations like Black Voters Matter and New Georgia Project, which is Governor Abrams first organization, Georgia saw its highest and most diverse turnout in 40 years in the general election. Mother Jones reports that from 2016 to 2020, according to an analysis by the Democratic data firm Target Smart, Asian American turnout increased by 91 percent. Latino turnout by 72 percent and black turnout by 20 percent, while white turnout grew by just 16 percent. And thanks to Governor Abrams, the expansion hasn't stopped, with the New Georgia Project reporting that they registered 800,000 new voters, 49% of them being of color and 45% of them being under the age of 30. Add this to the reports that are showing over 1 million people have already voted and that some 800,000 people have requested mail-in ballots and it looks like things are working in the right direction. So what's the overall point I'm trying to make? In my opinion, this is bigger than an election, okay? This is bigger than Democrat and Republican. This is about righting wrongs. Now that you know that the very reason that you're still being bombarded with ads and emails and commercials, the fact that you have to vote again is solely because there were a group of white people that didn't want black voices to be heard and wanted to keep their power so bad that they went through such extreme measures that should fuel you to quote unquote stick it to the man, if you will. Right. The architecture and the implementation of the runoff law is proof that your vote matters no matter who you are. But if you're African-American and you're listening to this, I hope you see just how much black votes truly matter. A whole law was constructed in a whole state with the express purpose of hindering and or blocking your vote. Why? Because your vote is that powerful. 
Yes, we are going up against a system that was designed to keep us out, but change has already come. We just have to make sure that it stays that way. Your vote can be the deciding factor between Mitch McConnell staying in power and blocking all legislation coming from the Biden administration and the possibility of progress actually being made. Your vote can be the deciding factor between receiving well-deserved benefits from the government and us reliving the gridlock of the Obama days. Now, I'll go into more detail in episode two, but the importance of your participation in this election cannot be overstated. I'm not just talking to Georgians now. I'm talking to everyone. You can participate from wherever you are by volunteering and making calls or sending texts to Georgia voters or just to make sure that misinformation that's trying to take over social media doesn't get far. Every voice counts and every bit of help is needed. I recently read a poll the other day that said that 50% of the people who live in Georgia and said that they were going to vote in the election didn't know the date of the election. <coughs> so, yeah. Um, but I can't. That's scary. Wow. Very, very scary. So here are the dates, okay? I need you to write them down, put them on your calendar, put it in your phone, write it on your hand, your forehead, whatever. I don't care what you need to do. Just remember these dates. Matter of fact, go go get your phone or or a pen and paper if you still know what those are. I will wait. Together right now. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. You got it? Okay. Early voting started on December 14th. It will continue until January 1st. Hear what I said. Early voting started on December 14th and it will continue until January 1st. Early voting is a span of time in which polling places are usually open longer and have more flexible days, okay? Like they're open on the weekends as well. Now, I need you to either go to the Georgia Secretary of State site or go to peachvote.com and they will let you know where your early voting polling place is because it may be different from the polling place that you go to for the general elections, okay? That's peachvote.com. If you've already requested an absentee ballot um, and you still have it, fill it out but return it to a drop-off box. Do not put it in the mail. Go to a drop-off box and place it in the box yourself. Again, if you have already requested and received an absentee ballot and you haven't returned it, please fill it out, follow the directions, but put it in a drop-off box. Again, peachvote.com will let you know all this information. And if you can't vote early, that's okay. January 5th, 2021 is when the Georgia Senate runoff election day is. You can vote on that day. So December 14th to January 1st, early voting. If you have an absentee ballot that you have not returned yet, fill it out, follow the directions, then put it in a drop-off box. And if you can't do early voting, go on January 5th to your polling place. Got it? 
Now, if you have to go back, listen to it again. You can also go to the Denae's Dialogue website to see the uh, Georgia Senate section and all of this information is listed there. Okay. Listen, y'all, I, I see what's happening in Georgia as divine retribution. They try to suppress, discourage, block an entire group of people from expressing their rights as citizens. And now it's those very people that were blocked that are making sure that their voices are being heard loud and clear and unseating those who tried to stop them from their positions of power. It's those very people that sent an Irish American and a black South Asian American woman to the White House. And it's those very people that can send the black pastor from Dr. Martin Luther King's former church and a Jewish journalist to the Senate to make sure that all Americans are represented and heard, but more importantly, impacted by the positive changes that can be implemented from this administration. So in the words of Governor Stacey Abrams, you have your marching orders. So let's keep making noise and do what we can to help the Biden-Harris administration reach their goals. Don't get tired yet, Georgia. America needs you. And with that, we've unlocked the Senate runoff elections. Hopefully you've gained a key that you can use to unlock more doors that lead to change. If you're looking for more information or if you want to download the CAP, that's the Citizens Action Plan, that is for patrons only. You have to become a patron. You can go on www.patreon.com slash Dialogue. And for just $5 a month, you will receive extra and exclusive content. Also, if you have enjoyed this content, please subscribe, like, and share. And if you have any questions or if you'd like for me to discuss any topics, you can go to the Civics Unlocked page on Danae'sDialogue.com. Until next time, keep walking in your power.